Good morning, everyone. God bless Pastor Kurt and our youth studying the Word together, and we are plunged into the biblical story ourselves. We have been since September for the whole year, and we actually have the Old Testament passages, uh, books rather, that we have been in, are in the red up behind me, and then the Lenten passages will all be out of New Testament books. So we are going to be in the book of Acts. This is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke, same writer, part two, Jesus is not dead, very much alive, very much at work in the lives of the disciples. Very exciting book. If you've never read Acts, it is really fun to read, and I mean that. Turn to Acts 3. We are going to be in a story there, Acts 3, verses 1 through 16, and I'm going to lead us in prayer as we prepare to hear God's word. Let's pray. Word of God, speak by your Spirit. Fill this scripture that we're going to hear. Fill my words. Fill our hearts, our minds, ourselves, so that we can connect deeply, profoundly with the risen Lord Jesus. Amen. Acts 3, beginning of verse 1, listen to God's word to you. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have... I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health 
in the presence of all of you. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. What an amazing story. The story reminds me of a passage. It's one of my favorite benedictions that I use that's in one of Paul's letters. It's in the middle of Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. And the benediction is, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think of that passage because unimaginable healing takes place in this story in all kinds of directions. Peter and John are going up. It's the time of prayer. It's when they always went up three o'clock in the afternoon. They see probably the same panhandlers they see every time they go up. There's this particular man who you can say is a fixture in that spot. They see him every time. But, by the way, you need to know that people like that with disabilities in that day had no way to make money except to panhandle, except to ask for alms at the temple. There was no safety net at that time. So this time, Peter and John see him differently. They actually notice him, which is an interesting thing because why is that, that they notice him in this particular way, on this particular day, this particular lame man? Because I'm assuming there are probably a lot of people out there begging. Well, we usually like to see kind of ignore panhandlers, but they notice him, and perhaps it's because, as that benediction said, the power of God was at work in them, ready to accomplish far more than all we can ask or imagine. Peter looks intently at him, we hear in the passage, as did John, and said, look at us. So, of course, the man does look at them because he's probably so thrilled that somebody has stopped to notice him and to help him out. And, of course, the only thing this man is thinking of is getting money. Oh, no, Peter tells him. God wants to give you so much more than you could possibly ask or imagine. And he says to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he takes him by the hand This man who has been lame, we find out later, for over 40 years from birth. Suddenly, he has strong feet. He has strong ankles. And you can imagine Luke, the physician who's writing this story, must be having a great time telling this story because he jumps up on these renewed ankles and feet. He dances his way into the temple, praising God for receiving more, far more than he could possibly ask or imagine. Well, of course, a crowd gathers around Peter and John. Once they put two and two together, they think, oh, isn't that man the man that couldn't walk? Has always been there? Whoa, those two men. And all of a sudden, it's like, whew. They surround Peter and John. And so Peter gives his second sermon in three chapters. So let's stop there. What in the world has happened to Peter? It hasn't been that many weeks since he was cowering in the darkness, afraid to even admit that he knew Jesus. And now he is Mr. Articulate Preacher Man, 
who cannot say enough about who Jesus is. This is not the same Peter, is it? And it's not the same disciples. There is this power at work within them accomplishing far more than they could possibly ask or imagine. These uneducated Galileans, fishermen, and here they are in the temple teaching about Jesus. And if we continue reading about this story, 5,000 people became believers after that sermon that Jesus gave, not Jesus, but Peter gave. So talk about doing far more than all we can ask or imagine. And if you keep reading about this story, which I hope you do, because it goes on into chapter four, and it's just delightful to read, we find out that Peter and John were arrested. They're arrested by the same leaders who arrested Jesus. Why are they arrested? Because they're teaching about Jesus. They're thrown into jail, dragged in front of the council the next day, asked to give an account, who gave you the authority to do these things? So once again, Peter uses this as this wonderful opportunity to give another sermon. So he says to them, this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. The leaders look at them and truly are stunned. They can't believe their boldness. They don't really know what to do with them. So they threaten them and release them. And as soon as they do, Peter and John go back to the disciples and praise God together with this group so intensely that we're told that the building actually shakes. And then when you get to the end of the chapter, you hear this miracle. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses, sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to each as any had need. Wow. By the power at work within us, we are able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To this God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Unimaginable healing in all kinds of directions. So, what is the unimaginable healing you would like to see today? I have my list. I mean, let's start with COVID. No more virus. No more variants. No more masks. No more social distancing. And what about cancer? And what about the divisions? I hear just a longing. I mean, we hear about these acts of hate against Asians doing away with racial hatred. My list could go on and on. And so could yours, I'm sure. But you know what? Whatever is on your list and whatever's on my list, we will always think smaller than what God wants to do. There is a man named Kevin. Some of you have met him. He is combination bouncer, combination greeter at Street Church in Redwood City, this open-air parking lot a meal and a message that serves the homeless community. I go once a month to give the message. 
I love seeing Kevin there. And the last time I was there, I asked him, I said, Kevin, when did you start coming to Street Church? How did, how did you get involved in this? And he told me this story that 10 years earlier, he actually had been a part of the Church of Satan. You know, that's just hard to even imagine. But he had heard about Street Church, that they serve food. He thought, I'm hungry. I'm going to go. So he goes, and then he decides that he wants to basically humiliate Street Church and prove that they can't really do what they say they can do by providing enough food for people that come. So he decides to invite everybody he can think of and invite so that he will overwhelm Street Church and they won't have enough food. Sure enough, that night, over 100 people, twice as many as normal, come to Street Church. They have enough food, supposedly, to feed half that crowd. They all were fed. They all had seconds. There was more than enough food. And that particular miracle was the moment that Kevin gave his life to Christ. And that was only the beginning of the unimaginable healing that continued to happen in Kevin's life and continues to happen now in story after story. What is the unimaginable healing we want to see? Maybe another question is one that we can ask as well. What is the unimaginable healing God wants to see? There's a healing story early on in the Gospel of Mark. A man is paralyzed, once again, a lame person. This man, though, is fully paralyzed. And Jesus is teaching in a house. The house is so crowded. The crowd is so thick outside the house that the man's friends can't bring him to Jesus for healing. So they're very innovative, and they put a hole in the roof, and they lower the man, the paralyzed man, on a mat so that he is lowered right in front of Jesus. And the very first thing that Jesus says to this man is, your sins are forgiven. That makes the religious leaders go ballistic because who can forgive sins but God? But I could imagine that for the friends and everybody else there, they're probably thinking, seriously? That is not the urgent need here. This man is lying paralyzed on a mat. The urgent need is healing. And yet, Jesus alone knows what is urgently needed. And in our passage, when you get into that second paragraph with Peter saying to them, you killed the holy and righteous one. You rejected him. Pilate was willing to give him over, but you received a murderer instead. You killed the author of life. And in that you, it's not just about the religious leaders. That you is to the whole crowd. That you is to everybody. And Jesus knows what is urgently needed as far as healing. This is the malady that is central to the passage. It eclipses everything else, including the lame man. So he addresses that paralysis first. Your sins are forgiven. And then he heals the man. Take up your mat and walk. And the man picks up his mat and he walks. Jesus hears our anxieties, carries our burdens for us. In Matthew, he speaks directly to our worrying. And he says, know this, you have a father who loves you, who knows your needs before you even ask. Seek 
first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you as well. You know, Acts, as I mentioned earlier, is a book where Luke wants us to know that Jesus is not dead, but very much alive, and continuing to do the signs and wonders, continuing to do the unimaginable healing that he was doing when he was with them. And maybe, if you're like me, you find yourself wondering, so if that is true, if Jesus is very much alive right now, doing the same things, then why don't we see these healings now? Maybe we do, but we give credit to medicine and doctors or to shamans and magic or to science and technology instead of to the author of life who is behind every healing story. Maybe the healing timeline is not the same as ours and we want God to move at our pace Maybe we aren't willing to let Jesus be that cornerstone that God has made Jesus to be, to heal in his way, in his time, in his fullness. You know, Peter and John are clear. They were not the orchestrators of this miracle. What happened is completely God's power at work glorifying his servant, Jesus Christ, and doing the unimaginable. One of the most moving parts of Hamilton, the musical, comes at the end with the song, It's Quiet Uptown. This is after Hamilton has had this affair that he made public and humiliated his wife, Eliza, it's amazing she stays with him, but she does. It's after their young son, young adult son, is killed in a duel. So they are overwhelmed and lost in deep grief. So the song sings about how they have retreated from public life, how they have gone to a quieter lifestyle, how they are walking around just stunned with all of the unimaginable pain that they are in. And that's the word you keep hearing. They are going through the unimaginable. The song sings about how Hamilton starts going to church, starts praying, which is something he didn't do. They are going through the unimaginable and then you get to the end of the song that's just been singing in this very heart-wrenching way about their unimaginable pain. And all of a sudden, the word forgiveness comes in around the word unimaginable. And it comes in again, forgiveness, unimaginable. And suddenly there is this shift from unimaginable suffering to unimaginable forgiveness. And as the two of them are walking side by side, in silence, typically so estranged, they're not even looking at each other, once this forgiveness is introduced, they are walking hand in hand. Unimaginable healing. This is what the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, 
is doing. Always ready to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.